anyone was any if in any doubt that this show is produced live <laughs> you just had confirmation of a quick misfire there on the countdown you did you said you can't Slight. believe that's never happened before ben oh yeah i'm sure it has uh, i think it's only the third time is it that's yeah good. it's not out of how many 283 284 <laughs> anyway hello <laughs> welcome and bienvenue konnichiwa ni hao jambo marhaba good, good day Good day, mate. <laughs> it's time for the Armist Inquisition yet again, episode 283 on Sunday, the 4th of June. I'm Phil. I'm Ben. I'm Matt. And tonight we're delighted to be joined by Mark Young, a member of the Comet Research team. How you doing, Mark? And why can't we hear you? I'm good, guys. Thanks. Oh, How's it going? <laughs> Gosh, I thought I was going to fail again, technically. We're doing really well and we're very happy that you've uh, managed to sync your clock from uh, sunny Adelaide to be able to talk with us tonight. So thanks mm. for coming along. Yeah, cheers, mate. Uh, you just cut out for me for a second there. Oh, um, yeah, we... yeah, it's good to be here, guys. Uh, it's a bit late here in Australia, but uh, it's happy to, happy to show up. Yeah, yeah. Now, you're a member of the co- uh, comic research team who is appearing at the forthcoming Cosmic Summit 2023. So uh, tell us about that and when it's kicking off. Yeah, so it's in Asheville, North Carolina, on the 17th and 18th of June. Uh, it's the Saturday and the Sunday there. So, And we've got quite a few uh, guests, that uh, speakers that people will know, like Randall Carlson and uh, Russ from the uh, Cognographia podcast. And we've got Ben from Uncharted X there. He's uh, talking about his recent work on the, uh, the, the jars from Egypt. So that's going to be interesting. Nice. Oh, gosh, yeah, I saw um, something they released recently. It's these, is it, are they made of granite or diorite or something, these vases? And the the tolerances which they're made are absolutely astonishing. Yeah, they're extremely precise. Uh, So uh, they they think they're made with computers or something. So (laughs) I don't don't really know too much about it, but... uh, it's cool because most people think of the um, the pyramids or the Sphinx, but it turns out that these these really tiny things, these little vases, jars, are are probably more enigmatic in a way because of uh, how thin they are and and the sort of precision and the symmetry involved in the design and manufacture. It just it raises questions, doesn't it, that we don't have adequate answers to. Mm. Yeah, well, the the weirdest thing is, it's not just the precision; it's the fact that they are some of the oldest artifacts from Egypt. They're from the first dynasty, uh, which you wouldn't expect. Typically, things get better over the time, but uh, they got worse. And later ones were uh, 
reproductions uh, that were from softer materials and stuff. So, yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, I think they found them under, is it the pyramid at Dashur, which I think, or is it the Step yeah. Pyramid? Or are they both the same it's, thing? It's one of those. Yeah. I'm not yeah. not big on my Egypt stuff, but yeah. And it's not like they just find an odd one here or there. There's hundreds and thousands of them. There's thousands of them, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's nuts. Um, but that's not really your specialty, Mark. You're you're into these tiny little balls, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, microscopic uh, stuff. Yeah, my, uh, microsphere. <laughs> I can't say it. We had a go, didn't we? Yeah, we, we spare you. <laughs> do, none of us can say microspherules. <laughs> How do you say it, Mark? Yeah, it's microspherules. Yeah, you, you guys got it right. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> okay. And uh, these are regarded as sort of um, an impact proxy. Is that correct? Yeah, that's that's right. So they're made uh, when the impact plume interacts with uh, the sediment uh, on the, on Earth. So they're not extraterrestrial material themselves. They're material that's been from the ground. It's been melted and thrown thrown about uh, violently. So it's basically spatters of melted sediment. So what's what's like the process? Can we get granular with the microspherules in sure. how they're made? Uh, I actually have an image uh, mm-hmm. describing if you guys uh, want me to share. Certainly. Okay. We'll try. So you can I have wait. a few on your desk, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't, but if it did, you wouldn't be able to see them because they're, <laughs> they're smaller than a human hair. So. Ah. Wow. Yeah. Why isn't that working? Okay. Yeah. It's like a paperweight or something. A paperweight, yeah. I mean, oh, right. Oh, look. Look, we've got an image. Yeah, so basically this is using a nuclear detonation as an example, but here we have the environmental particles. They're entrained in the impact cloud up here, uh, and they literally condense into vapour. uh, as they cool, they form these little spherical things, uh, and they end up being differentiated. They have like a silicate uh, core, and they they have a little thin iron shell on the outside. So, Mark, this isn't the same as atomic glass, is it? Where the that I think that's just where loads of shit gets melted, and you find you know after it's basically uh, the, the same process makes both. Right. So atomic glass is just uh, our microspherules, but they're not magnetic. They don't have high iron content like Uh, these do. Yeah. Cool. So vaporized soil, metallic structure, and radial nuclides, is that right? Yes. uh, So that all comes from the Earth's surface when when the thing hits. That's correct, yeah. Now, does this mean, could, could these be produced from an impact and an airburst? Yes. Uh, well, so both impacts and airbursts do produce these, uh, but we, at the Younger Dryas boundary, we think that these were made by airbursts. And this this nuclear detonation here is actually an airburst. It's not detonated in the ground. It's detonated on like an iron tower, mm. like 100 metres up. And then it, it sucks everything up from the bottom into the air in the plume. That shit. Wow. Because yeah. that's how like nuclear bombs work, isn't it? They detonate them. They don't actually hit the ground. No. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the, the the force of it sucks all that stuff stuff up. That's yep. mental. Yep. 
Be big. And so you, you, you mentioned magnetism. How, how does that work? How does that differentiation occur? So uh, in the diagram here, we have uh, in blue, it's, it's the silicate. So uh, sedi- normal sediment like quartz, grains, sand grains, all that stuff. And then because the temp- the melting temperature of quartz and iron are different, mm. uh, the, the silicate uh, condenses first and then the iron condenses on the outer shell. So, uh, and that's how they become magnetic with the iron content. Wow. Magnetic jacket. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I'd always assumed that these things were made of just one substance. That they were little mm. balls of one thing, like iron or or whatever, but they they have and, multiple c- components. Uh, and sometimes they are hollow, uh, which is interesting in itself. But mostly they're not. Why is that interesting in particular? Well, uh, I would assume that in order to be hollow, they need to condense on something, and whatever they condensed on isn't in there anymore. So it could have been. Uh, Something that was solid and then became a gas later when it cooled, or, like or yeah, 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 it could be carbon stuff. Uh, yeah. Wow. Mm. Um, I've heard about. Is there something to do with platinum related to these kinds of spherules? So platinum is a signature of the Younger Dryas boundary impact, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not actually contained in these spherules at all. Right. Uh, okay. Some of them have. Uh, enriched quantities of extraterrestrial uh, metals like platinum, iridium, nickel, all that stuff. Mm. Uh, but A, that can be from the Earth's sediment itself, uh, but it could also be from the, th- from the meteor because that gets vaporized as well and mixed in with all the terrestrial sediment. So <laughs> some of them have tested for high quantities of those metals, but most of them don't have much at all, if any. Mm-hmm. Right. So presumably even in an, in an airburst, some of the material that's extraterrestrial makes it onto the surface. Yes. Right. So that's why is, is platinum exclusively extraterrestrial then? Is that why it's an impact proxy? No. Uh, so the reason that it, it's considered an impact proxy in this case is because it's very rare in the earth's crust. Uh, when the earth formed, uh, all the iron basically got sucked into the core and these metals love binding to iron. So most of the platinum group elements and rare earth minerals, uh, they were sucked into the core with the iron. And that's how we know, for example, how the KT impact was found with the iridium layer, because there was a really high concentration of iridium and people were like, "How, how did that get there? Uh, and the answer was that it came from the asteroid. So the KT impact, that would be the one that wiped the, the dinos out, would it? That's correct. Uh, and it's actually not called the KT impact anymore. The, the bloody scientists changed it to <laughs> K, KPG uh, for Cretaceous Paleogene. I don't know why Cretaceous is a K, but maybe it's just like a German thing or something. Ooh, yeah, or Greek. I'm just wondering, um, because we've just gone straight into... Talking about this Spellules. impact in spellules, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Whether just for most people, I assume know what we're talking about here. But just is, is it possible for you to give like an, a short overview around what it is that we're actually uh, talking about in terms of what 
the, the event. Hi- yeah, the the hypothesized Don't event. The events. <laughs> yeah. Sure. So uh, the idea is that about twelve thousand eight hundred years ago, at the start of the Younger Dryas, uh, the theory goes that a, a major cosmic impact happened. Uh, and early on, around 2007, when it was first published in the scientific literature, um, it wasn't really well understood. Like we, they were finding these uh, exotic proxies in the sediment, uh, and they're like, "Well, how did these get here? It must have been from an impact." Uh, and so early on, when they were, when other groups were trying to test the hypothesis they didn't do a very good job, to, to put it lightly. Uh, and so uh, it, it came to be prematurely rejected by the scientific community. Uh, and in the last 10 or so years, the science has gotten much better and we have a much better understanding of what these materials are, how to find them in the sediment. Uh, and, yeah. So around the Younger Dryas onset, there's a lot of uh, ecological... I suppose, oddities mm. or uh, anomalies, I guess. Uh, obviously, the megafauna extinctions are a big one. Uh, up to 50 genera or more than 50 species of megafauna, like the mammoths, the ground sloths and all that, they all went extinct around this time. And for a long time, it was thought by scientists that it was humans that killed them off. Uh, uh, and that happened to coincide with the uh, arrival of the Clovis people in North America. So they put two and two together uh, and said, well, it must have been the Clovis people who killed them when they arrived. But I like the uh, way George Pulse said uh, the predominant hypothesis was overkill, mm. that humans did it. And then the, the competing one was over ill, I think, that there yeah, was some yeah. pandemic. But what it really was was over grill. <laughs> yes, <laughs> All the mammoths yes. got grilled. And they found yeah. they found them like flash frozen, haven't they? Like um, like they've been crushed down at the knees. These giant mammoths. Yeah, so there there are a lot of those type of finds, but those typically don't date to the younger dryas. They date oh. to earlier events. Oh, that's interesting. Or like Le Champ, maybe. Or uh, what was the other one? The one uh, in, in Asia. It, um, it's interesting you say Lake, that Lake because. Tolman. Le Champ was about 42,000 years ago, and that's around the time that these uh, these mammoths and stuff died. Uh, so that's interesting in itself. So it's about 37 to 45,000 years ago that these other hypothesized impact events happened. Uh, so there's at least one paper by the Comet Research Group that found... In the, Have you guys seen the Joe Rogan podcast with... Uh, the the Alaskan boneyards. I don't know. Is this the the jumbled up bones? Yes. So they're they're pulling t- hundreds of thousands of megafauna fossils out of a single deposit, less than two acres uh, mm. in size. Uh, and the Comet Research Group did some work on this in 2017, and they found that inside the skulls of these animals were these microspherules from from <laughs> impacts. In wow. the skulls? In, inside the skulls, yes. So obviously they weren't embedded in the skulls during the event, but as the, the sediment filled up the skulls over time, 
the the spherules made their way in there so they were in the same deposit as the bones and they made their way in there so it's the idea that the there was an event that killed the mammoths and then once yes. and then gradually they got filled in what with a second event or the same event that killed the mammoths uh, produced the microspherules so the Comet Research Group seems to think that there were multiple large impacts or airbursts over the Alaskan uh, and Siberian regions, uh, and they basically entombed these mammoths uh, and another megafauna, really, uh, very quickly. So they just covered them in, in sediment, basically. Yeah. Wow. I'm... I'm- and it's, it's, I mean, it must be so hard to make any sense of it because they, I mean, there was a massive ice sheet at the same time over North America and which melted away. And you think of all that churning and swirling, like trying to pick it apart 12,000 years later, it must be nigh on yeah. impossible. Yeah, it's definitely difficult. Uh, and you wouldn't expect, uh, if there's a big ice sheet over there, you wouldn't expect them to be able to excavate that material, and you wouldn't expect those remains to be able to be concentrated like they have been. So it's really quite interesting. Yeah, like, like the, gosh, like mammoths falling off a cliff and <laughs> they're getting buried. Um, you mentioned that, just to go back to the microspherules, mm-hmm. um, where, where do you find them? Uh, so they're found in a very thin layer uh, of sediment <clears throat> that dates to the onset of the Younger Dryas uh, all around the world, basically. Everywhere there's, they've been looked for, they've been found. So does that does this tie to the black matte layer? Yes. Uh, so the black matte layer is a uh, several centimetre thick layer. Uh, it's composed of mainly organic materials like... Uh, algae and plant remains uh it's it's often thought by people that it's a burn layer and that's not exactly true there's not much charcoal to be found in there uh and it's basically uh the the result of a a a post-catastrophe wasteland over a thousand or so years of the younger dryas so the younger dryas is a cold period uh that went from 12,800 to 11,600 years ago uh, and it it's it, it was very abrupt in its onset. Uh, so temperatures in Greenland fell by about eight degrees Celsius within a, a decade or a few decades or so. Uh, and I mean, if that happened today, it'd be game over for civilization. Actually, the de- the movie The Day After Tomorrow is based on the Young Dryas uh, event happening in modern times. So mm-hmm. yeah. It's Roland Emmerich, wasn't it? It is. It's, yeah. nice. it's an old-time classic. I've got, uh, you won't believe this, Mark, but on the I'm looking at a wall, uh, a picture on the wall, and it's <laughs> a picture of a signed picture of Dennis Quaid from that movie. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's a pictorial reminder, isn't it, of uh, what we survived? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is uh, is Moonfall an accurate representation? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that movie, but I've oh, heard don't, it. Don't bother, don't bother. <laughs> do bother. Oh, well, yeah, do it's bother. A banger. It. it is It is funny. It's funny in its ridiculousness, but as like mm-hmm. a, a scholarly gentleman that you are in the realms of uh, geophysics and such, uh, you will probably tear your hair out watching I was, it. <laughs> I was just quite interested that you said, you know, the black mat 
um, is thought of as like a burn layer, I think he said, or misrepresented as such. Yes, uh, that's right. Um, so, because that's kind of how I made sense of it. It was like everything was on fire for like ever. Uh, so I'm just wondering, um, why is it black? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it's basically just, it's a lot of organic material. So uh, I don't really know why. Well, it's like black mold, I guess. Why is black mold black? Uh, right. So it's there's lots of organic material in there, like mold and uh, algae and diatoms and stuff and things like that. But not, it's also not always black. It's right. black in most places, but in some areas it's gray, it's white. Right. Yeah, okay. so it really depends on the area, and that. And I mean, sorry, go on. sorry. Some of the places do have charcoal in there, but they're they're not really high concentrations or anything that would suggest yeah. like a continent-wide wildfire or anything like that. Just a few hardy survivors burning effigies <laughs> to make this yeah. go, and make this end, bring back the sun. I mean, the implication is, as well as you drop in temperatures, uh, if this the culprit is cosmic impacts. The amount of ejector that's going in the atmosphere and water vapor, you're not going to see the sun, and that's why there's a yeah. die-off in vegetation worldwide. Is that yeah. a first summation? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and a, a 2018 paper by the Comet Research Group. Uh, it's based on 152 charcoal records from lakes and ice cores and ocean cores and all that stuff, and they they calculated that up to nine percent of Earth's biomass was consumed by wildfires in a very short time, uh, and that's like obviously an insane number. But it's not if you're picturing a whole continent on fire at once. That's not what it is. It's no. like p- patches of wildfire here and there. So, but yeah. again, that's going to have the same effect of of the the emissions coming off nine percent of all biomass burning. Yeah. That's going yeah. to have an implication. I'm guessing it's like yep. a snowball effect, isn't it? Then with this climate, more or less. So, the in that paper, the Common Research Group calculated that it would have formed like an impact winter, which is like a nuclear winter, basically, and that would have blocked out the sun for a week or a, a few weeks. Uh, and it wouldn't have been complete blackness, but it would have been quite dark. Sounds like uh, one in, 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 it. <laughs> <laughs> It's a couple of weeks. Crikey, we can manage that. There must be more to it, Mark. What happened after the, the two <laughs> weeks of the sun disappearing? Well, I mean, the so it's thought that that might have contributed to the the cooling effect. It was very very quick cooling, obviously, but. It, it didn't last the 10 or 20 years that it took to for those temperatures to drop. So there, there would have been other forces at work as well. Uh, and it, it could have led into a feedback loop of, of sorts, but it would have been combined with other things. Like uh, one of the theories is that several of these impacts or air bursts happened over the northern ice sheets. And it's pretty well established that there was a major influx of meltwater into the oceans at that time. And that's the main theory, the, the uh, universally accepted theory of what actually caused the Younger Dryas. But, uh, I mean, without the impact part. Right. But Yes, they the, blame... The in- so don't, 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 they, don't they reference um, sort of underwater dams or something breaking? So uh, the... Traditional view is that Lake Agassiz, Glacial Lake Agassiz in the US, uh, 
was full of meltwater and it discharged into the oceans at that time. And they also think there was a Heinrich event, which is basically like a, a whole an armada of icebergs breaking off of the ice sheet uh, and melting on the surface of the ocean. And because fresh water is not as dense as salt water, it forms a layer on the surface. And that layer then freezes because it doesn't get mixed with the salt water and that prevents warm water from reaching the surface. And the atmosphere, uh, the ocean atmosphere circulation is is a major component in, in global temperatures. So if there's no warm water making it to the surface, there's there's no heat going into the atmosphere. So yeah. So so what's your your contention then against the, the Lake Agassiz dam breaking? So I guess for one thing, Lake Agassiz didn't have enough water in it to do this. Uh, and so there's been arguments for decades over where the water from Lake Agassiz drained and there's, they've identified like three different outlets that it could have drained from, but they haven't figured out which one it was. There's arguments back and forth. And I, I would contend that an impact into the ice sheet or met several uh, would have caused water to flow off of the ice sheet uh, or even into Lake Agassiz and discharge from all three at, at, at once, basically. Yeah, so you, you can have your uh, cake and eat it in that respect. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, if you look at the, the, te- the climate graph for the last 50, 100,000 years, you see quite a few of these events, uh, and it, it's pretty well established that these other events were caused by normal deglacial cycles. But... Uh, the Younger Dryas is quite different to those in several ways. Um, and uh, an impact of the source of that not water isn't like far-fetched or anything. It, it definitely would have led to a discharge of significant proportions into the oceans. So, When you say... And I mean, sorry, go on. Sorry. No, no, no. Oh, when you say the Younger Dryas was, was different than other events over the last 100,000 years, is that to do with the speed of the onset yeah so the speed of the onset is one thing uh and also the the speed of the uh termination as well so it the cooling happened in in 10 20 30 years but the termination happened in about 10 years so if you could picture so currently humans are facing extinction with a global temperature rise of two degrees Celsius over a hundred years, but we've got here we've got ten degrees Celsius in ten years at the at the at the end of the Younger Dryas. Uh, so basically, I mean, if you look at the uh, the temperature chart, I'll I'll share this as well. Um, so let's move this here. Now share. Oh wow! So these. So this is this is the last ninety thousand years or so, and here's the Younger Dryas. But you can see here's the previous interglacial, and here's the glacial period, mm-hmm. and you can see a gradual rise out of the glacial period into the Holocene here, but it's uh, truncated by this major event here. So it's almost like the Younger Dryas was preventing the warming 
and it built up under whatever the younger Dryas was and then forced its way out at the end uh, quite violently. And obviously you look at this rise here and you see similar rises all throughout the glacial wow. cycle, but uh, oh my gosh, uh, those, those weren't as abrupt. It literally just spikes, doesn't it, intermittently? Yep. Mm. yep. Where, where, are these, where are these temperatures derived from? Is this Greenland ice core stuff? Yeah, that's right. So Greenland ice core from oxygen-18 isotopes, uh, and this is temperature in degrees Celsius on the side here. Mm. And just look how, you know, the alarming thing is look how stable it's been during the Holocene over the last yeah. 10,000 yeah, years. Yeah, exactly, yep, yep. And if anything, it looks like a downward cooling trend. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, some other temperature graphs, uh, they've been downplayed recently, obviously, with this whole uh, anthropogenic global warming. But uh, temperatures were actually higher during the uh, the Holocene thermal uh, optimum, uh, the medieval warm period, and several other times throughout the Holocene, temperatures have been higher than they are now. Well, the thing is, the graph they usually show us is average temperature change, isn't it, rather than actual temperature? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's st- lamb, lies, damn lies and statistics. Okay. Mm. But, yeah, it's good to know. This is interesting. It's, you know, it's not far off um, 90,000 years ago, essentially. Or the temperature today. Yeah. That's what it seemed like anyway. Yeah, well, actually, in the last interglacial, temperatures were several degrees warmer and sea levels were several metres higher than they are today. Mm. Uh, so you don't often hear that, but that's that's the truth of it. Well, something I heard recently is that the glacial period is actually the norm and that interglacial periods are generally the short bits in between them. Uh, well, yeah, looking at this graph, that seems to be true. Uh, so we've got... 80,000, starts about 80,000 years and ends about 10,000 years ago for the interglacial, no, for the glacial period. Yeah. And then the the interglacial periods are much shorter. And if you look at uh, a temperature, a climate chart of the last few million years with all the other interglacials plotted on them, our current interglacial period is looking like it's about to end and, and plunge back into the ice age. So Hooray! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I well I've this is something that I've heard around, you know, global warming and all the rest of it is um so, it's global climate warming change. Sorry, global climate warming change. Yeah. <laughs> is that um this sort of man made production of CO two is actually preventing us going or slowing the the cooling of the planet, basically. Heretic! <laughs> that it's, it's actually <laughs> helpful in some kind of way. Yeah. I mean, people like Randall Carlson uh, say that, uh, and obviously he's right that we don't want to be in an ice age. Like, mm. humans thrive in warm periods. Uh, if an ice age were to happen, we'd, we'd all be gone, basically. We'd mm. be bands of hunter-gatherers again. We wouldn't be farming. Uh, I mean, we could... Uh, farm indoors in factories and stuff i guess but they're 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 working on that technology uh but yeah i mean just to play devil's advocate um that chart was from the the ice cores the greenland ice cores 
I mean, how yes. how can we be sure that that's a, an accurate proxy for temperatures across the globe? I mean, it's pretty well accepted by science that it is, uh, and that it's compared to modern observations. Uh, and obviously, the ice is still accreting there, so we can uh, we can see that it, the the oxygen and isotope values match up to what we would expect them to be. But there's always the 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 possibility that they're not. Uh, Obviously, Greenland has only had ice on it for the last, it only goes back like three or 400,000 years, whereas Antarctica goes back several uh, million years to the start of the Pleistocene, basically. So uh, Greenland, the ice sheet in Greenland was was completely gone at some points during the Pleistocene. So, Well, weren't the, weren't the uh, Vikings farming on Greenland at one point? That's right, they were, yes. Uh, there was much less ice there than there is today, uh, just a few hundred years ago. Yeah. But I guess if you can, I'm guessing so that this Greenland ice core data is then calibrated with other stuff like you mentioned. I mean, would would uh, tree rings be another way they could yes. calibrate that? Yep. Uh, so the the growth rate of tree rings and the, the amount of radiocarbon they contain, uh, they've done quite a lot of work reconstructing past climates through those and they they seem to match up with the ice scores as well and and you've got marine cores as well uh as ice sheets carve off into the ocean they drop their sediment in these cores and you can reconstruct uh where ice sheets were at a certain time so yeah i mean there's there's several decades of science that all say that this is what's happening uh so i just i've heard the argument online that um you know that 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 you that the temperatures could have been different in different oh no i'll tell you what i'm getting confused it's the the roman warm period and the medieval warm period yeah i've heard people yeah. argue well just because we have all this writing that you know people were growing grapes in in southern england and whatnot doesn't mean that mm-hmm. it was warm across the globe and it, you yeah. know that's i guess that's a fair argument maybe it was cold you know not necessarily warmer in the southern hemisphere or wherever because we yeah. don't have we don't have written records from all over the world to compare, do we? That's right. Yeah. Yep. Pretty much. Well, I mean, you just got to go what you got, haven't you? That's what right. Do do? Um, let's go yes. back to the spherules. Spherules. Focus on the spherules. <laughs> now, you, you you said they're tinier than a human hair. How do you know you've even got them? And how do you get them? <laughs> so <laughs> basically. <laughs> <laughs> you get the you get the sediment from the from the layer you want it from. You run it through a bunch of sieves with different sized mesh, uh, and that separates them into different size portions. So you've got anywhere from one millimeter down to I think the smallest I've got is twenty eight microns, which is zero point zero zero two eight millimeters. Right. Well, I've got a sieve in the kitchen. Could I have a go in the back garden? You'd be able to get something, but you probably wouldn't be able to. <laughs> <laughs> you probably wouldn't be able to sort out these. This must be like proper, highly engineered sieving tools you're using then to get something exactly. so tiny. Yeah, they're scientifically calibrated, and yeah, I, I don't know how they manufacture them. It's wizardry, basically. But yeah, <laughs> same guys who made them balls in uh, Sakara. So I think, <laughs> I think you uh, previewed a slide before about um, the spread of the spherules. Um, could you just yeah put that so up? that's 
it's not necessarily all spherules, but this is the the spread of the Younger Dryas impact evidence. Uh, and I'm guessing, do you find these things above the black mat, but not beneath them? So they're they're directly beneath the black mat in direct contact, but they're typically Sorry, not yeah. found I- inside the black mat. So uh, is that coming? Yeah, there we yeah. go. So this is a map of all the sites where uh, the Younger Dryas impact evidence has been found. Uh, this one down here in South Africa, there's only a platinum anomaly that's been found there. There's mm-hmm. no actual impact evidence there. Uh, it's just the geochemical. Uh, so the, the idea is that the, the platinum would have been dispersed through the atmosphere for a period of maybe 10 years following the impact. And it's possible that the the reign of impacts lasted for a decade or so. Oh uh, and, and it wouldn't be like a full-on bombardment for that whole decade. Like it would be uh, mm. twice a year maybe. There would be a few here and a few there. Uh, but, yeah. Are you a, so. a believer that it was linked to the Taurids and that we, we went through that cosmic shooting gallery <laughs> twice a year in, in late October and the other one? So later? that's... That's almost certainly the type of event we're dealing with, but whether it was the Taurids or not is the question. Right. So there's not there's not a lot of evidence or there's basically no evidence at all to tie them to the Taurids other than we know the Taurids are there. We know they've been impacting over 20 or so thousand years. Uh, we know the Earth would have swept up some of the debris. So we're, we're basically just guessing that that might have been the source, but that doesn't have to be the source. Like there's other meteor streams out there and there's even uh other disintegrated comets that that don't form large complexes like the torrids uh Mm. so uh what it's not really well known but uh back in 1883 uh, a mexican astronomer uh made an observation uh, that he didn't understand, and it wasn't until maybe 2011 or so that it was revisited by by astronomers, and they they actually realised what it was. Uh, it's called the Benilla observation, mm-hmm. and uh, it's more or less. Uh, okay, so it was 1883, uh, and it was basically a swarm of about 3,300 comet fragments. Mm-hmm. And they range from about 160 to 300 uh, to 3,000 feet in diameter. Uh, wow. That's about 60 metres to a kilometre, <laughs> more or less. And there was a, a swarm of 3,000 of these, right? And they, part, they, they barely missed Earth by between... 330 and 5,000 miles. <laughs> they passed. That they passed between. They passed in front of the moon. Basically, the moon is mm. uh, 280,000 miles away, mm-hmm. and these passed 5,000 miles. Wow! So, in 1883, we very, very, very <sighs> narrowly avoided a younger Dryas-like bombardment event. Nice. Where are they now, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> Could be anywhere that could be raining down tomorrow uh, well i mean i mean something the size of a kilometer what sort of damage could one of those do uh if it's a comet 
uh, a lot less than an asteroid. Uh, yeah. it, it could it could be chunks of ice, and they wouldn't do much damage at all. Uh, they'd mostly melt in the atmosphere. I mean, they'd still project their energy to the ground, but uh, and, and I mean, it, it could be rocky, uh, chondritic cometary material. But uh, I mean, it certainly would have been catastrophic. It would have been civilization ending if it had impacted Earth. Yeah. It wouldn't have been like an extinction event like the dinosaurs, but it would have been like a swarm of Tunguska's uh, impacts. Uh, I don't know if your listeners know much about that. We can go over that a little bit. Well, but... I was just going to say, yeah, just because that's something that quite a lot of people are familiar with, just in yeah. comparison to size of the Tunguska event. Yeah. So the, the Tunguska impact was about uh, 60 meters in diameter. Um <laughs> 60 meters? Yeah. It's a baby. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And this was a swarm of 3,300 Tunguskas. Filthy. Yeah. That Tunguska thing was an airburst, and that flattened the forest for kilometers around it, didn't it? Yeah. Mm. It flattened about 2,000 square kilometers of forest. Wow. Uh, Yeah. So that's the thing, isn't it? So if like, you know, these things hit a population center, as it's kind of termed, you know, it's like game over, isn't it? I'm just wondering yep. um, what would happen if it, if they did an airburst like over the Pacific Ocean, you know? So there probably wouldn't be much consequence at all, really. Uh, there, there'd be a, like a, a wave a couple of meters higher that would hit whatever coastlines it reached but it wouldn't be like a massive tsunami or anything like right. that okay okay let's pray for the pacific then <laughs> <clears throat> yeah yeah and i mean if tunguska had had struck at the same latitude two hours earlier or later it mm. could have completely changed the 20th century like if it hit moscow or yeah. it hit britain mm. or anything like that like it would have been a very different time in the 20th century yeah, just like anywhere Central Europe, you know, that landmass, Western yep. Europe, certainly. Um, yeah. It just so happened that it hit over the, yeah. the Siberian tundra. There was mm. only indigenous tribes nearby. Mm. Uh, yeah. It's crazy. Um, so just to clarify as well, on this map, because um, you had the Carolina Bays up uh, before, um, mm-hmm. just for the listeners, you know, where is the idea then in, where the actual airburst occurred or where the impacts are supposed to have occurred then on the globe? So there's currently about five or six different locations that we are confident uh, these airbursts occurred. Uh, The most confident is in Abu Huraira in Syria. Oh, really? Yes. So uh, at the the time, 12,800 years ago, there were the people there would were, were just making the transition from hunter gathering to farming right uh Unlucky. and yeah yeah <laughs> pretty much uh and obviously when the younger dryer started they couldn't farm anymore because mm. uh, of the the cold weather so um yeah so where where else so we think abu Huraira is the most confident where where were the other ones that are hypothesized so there's uh, Melrose in Pennsylvania, uh, Black Blackville, I think it is, in North Carolina. Um, uh, and those are the three main w- sites that are well published by the uh, Comet Research Group. But there are a couple of other sites 
uh, that we think happened, but we haven't uh, published much on them yet. So there's uh, one in New Jersey. And there was another one somewhere else. I can't quite think of it at the moment. You know, uh, just looking at this map where you find... Uh, this map's strictly speaking spherules, is it? No, so uh, I think spherules have been found at most of these sites, but any any of the Young and Dryas impact proxies... Right. Yeah, I'm so... Just, I was just wondering why, you know, because looking at Africa, the continent, there's very little there. Is that due to a, a lack of testing or have tests been done and nothing's been found? Yeah, so there's been no no other work done there. The right. only reason this spot is down here is because uh, uh, one of the professors at the University of Witsrama, Wits University, I don't, I don't know the, uh, the actual name of it, but uh, he did... Uh, so there, there's a lot of work there that's been done on reconstructing temperatures using uh, vegetation proxies. And he he went back to those cores and he tested for platinum in them. And that's the only reason that that, that mark is there. Uh, and there's been no work done at all throughout most of Asia or Oceania. There's no work done in Australia. Wow. And so are these, these um, impact proxies on the map tied to the younger dryas how is that to do with stratigraphy yeah so they're they're all found in the layer that correlates to the younger dryas boundary and uh, wow. found directly below the black map yeah wow you know if i if i had to if you were a betting man mark would you suggest that you're going to find these everywhere on the planet if you look for them I would say so. Uh, the the platinum anomaly definitely uh, because that was dispersed through the atmosphere. Uh, but whether or not the microspherules and other impact proxies occur would depend on whether there was impacts that happened nearby. So, is there a, going back to the spherules? Is there a lot of um, different sizes and different compositions of spherules related to this event? Yeah, so the spherules range anywhere from about 10 microns up to 150, 200 microns, and that's 0.2 millimetres, 200 microns, 0.2 millimetres. So they're all smaller than one millimetre. 0.2, so 20, yeah. Yep. Less than a quarter of a millimetre in diameter. Uh, yep. God, grief. So... Can you see these with like a, a normal microscope, or do you have to use one of those electron microscope things? Yeah, so the most of them are visible with a normal microscope. That's how you look for them and isolate them, and then you put them on little stubs for examination with electron microscopy. And how do you figure out what they're made of? Can you like cut them in half? Uh, yep, that's one way. Uh, but typically. Uh, with electron microscopes, they typically have a, a chemical analysis instrument built into them. So it shoots a beam of electrons at the at the sample. And that causes any atoms in that sample to kick off an electron. Uh, and by measuring the voltage of the electron that gets kicked off, uh, you're able to tell what elements are on there. And is this your main sort of area of research now, analysing the microspherules? I was last year. Uh, I did that for my research project uh, for my Bachelor of Science honours. 
uh, my PhD research is totally different to that. I'm not doing the Younger Dry stuff anymore. I am working on Younger Dry stuff for the Comet Research Group still. But uh, yeah, so my, my research has switched focus a bit. What's your PhD on, Mark? Can't give us spoilers um, like that. <laughs> I'm doing uh, some paleoclimate reconstructions on uh, a desert lake system in the centre of Australia, basically. Um, is that a the lake? idea. Sorry. So, so there's a chain of lakes. There's probably a hundred or so, oh. uh, and they're 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 in the desert. And uh, basically, we're trying to determine when they were full. Uh, because they would have been able to sustain in large indigenous populations there. And we're, we're basically looking for new archaeological sites out there. Fantastic. Oh, so are they empty now? Is what you mean? Or has it actually got water in them? Uh, so they're, they're wet part of the year. Right. Um, but some of them are completely dry. Okay. Uh, so, and so my PhD... Uh, is being done in conjunction with another student's PhD, and they're working on a on a different set of lakes in the same area, and those are com- basically completely dry. They're only fed by groundwater now. So, okay, yeah, because when I think of Central Australia, I just think of it as like a giant desert, basically. Um, and yeah. ma- maybe mining is the mining going yep. going on there. Essentially, pretty much. Mm. Yeah, there seems to be um um a lot of debate about. How people uh, or and when people settled in Australia is the is the hope that your work and finding potential sites to do archaeological work might help clarify that story. Yeah, that's the goal. We're hoping to find the new oldest archaeological site. Um, so traditionally, it's been pretty well accepted that uh, indigenous people arrived here about fifty fifty five thousand years ago. But in 2017, there was work that put them here about 65,000 years ago. Uh, and that there was a bit of back and forth, but it's almost universally accepted here now that that's a pretty good date for when they arrived. But the problem is we don't have any other sites from that age, so uh, it's difficult to be sure. Things just keep on getting older, don't they? That's right. Yeah, you keep <laughs> quoting him. Uh, we've managed to get through this whole podcast without mentioning well, the uh, the controversy. He, he shall who shall not be named. <laughs> don't let me. I was going to pull stick up then. I know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, any well, anyone who's not on Twitter who, who has been living under a rock for the last few weeks, there was a lot of controversy, oh. wasn't there, over this this uh, cosmic summit? And that's part of the reason I reached out to you, Mark, was to uh, I wasn't expecting a reply or anything, but just to say how. How well I thought you comported yourself in the in the manner befitting a gentleman. Oh, that's a good <laughs> sentence. Well, thank you. Yeah, it was pretty difficult. Uh, obviously, it's pretty rough when people have a falling out like that. Uh, uh, yeah, especially in the public sphere when you know it's all laid out, you know, on Twitter and stuff. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it was only a month or so before the event, and it's pretty pretty crappy to pull out at that time especially over something so spurious mm. uh, uh it was almost entirely a misunderstanding on graham's part uh, uh but he seems unwilling to to budge on that uh yeah. and from where i'm standing 
it's almost entirely to do with that Malcolm Bendel guy that Randall's friendly with and George is friendly with. Oh. It, uh, the other stuff is like, in my opinion, it, it's an excuse uh, to justify that. Wow. Yeah. But, I mean, they've managed, you know, at the 11th hour to get some new speakers, haven't they? Yeah, so they've got Scott Walter uh, and they've got Luke Cavins. Uh, Luke, Luke's a pretty cool guy. Uh, he's similar to me. He w- he went to study archaeology after learning about Graham Hancock's theories and stuff. Mm. Oh, um, wow. So was it, was it Hancock that led you into archaeology? Yeah, yeah. So in 2017, I saw the podcast with Randall and Graham on Joe Rogan. Right. Uh, and that inspired me to enroll in university uh, and study archaeology and geoscience. We told you to go to uni, Phil. <laughs> So you, this is something that was on my mind before we started uh, uh, recording today was like perhaps, you know, this we often well, we've spoken to quite a lot of people around, you know, this uh, shift in ideas, I guess, um, mm-hmm. around sort of like, you know, what's considered the mainstream now and new generations of archaeologists, geologists or whatever, you know, whatever you want to call yourself, um, that uh uh, can change the the narrative perhaps or put new theories forward that perhaps are um currently unwilling to appear i guess yeah there's definitely quite a lot of that happening uh, a lot of people who are going to university now uh, are equipped with these new ideas uh, and they i mean Coming into university, I was all in on Graham's theory of a lost civilization, a lost global civilization. And, I mean, I think his core thesis is correct, that we're a species with amnesia. And, obviously, the younger... I'm I'm very on board with the younger Dryasian back hypothesis, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that cataclysm would have had major consequences. But I don't know... If I'm on board with with everything that he says, I, well, I'm definitely not. Uh, he and I disagree on probably more than we agree on now. Yes, uh, yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, you can accept some things and not others. Um, just because there were major cataclysms doesn't mean that we had, you know, high technology uh, thirty thousand years ago or whatever. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, the possibility is there, but it's it's unproven. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, particularly in South Africa, uh, South America, uh, there's a lot of archaeological evidence that's not really talked about of potential human occupations up to fifty thousand years ago. Uh, there's about half a dozen sites with pre- with pretty good dates that of archaeological uh, evidence that dates human occupation back to about 50,000 years ago. Right. Uh, and a recent study from last year, actually, they found a, uh, a genetic Y-chromosome bottleneck in South South America, uh, that, and they attributed that to the Young Adrias impact event. So whatever civilization was there, uh, they're not there anymore, and they disappeared around the onset of the Young Adrias, which this, is really interesting. Is this... The, that thing where when it gets colder, there's more girls born than boys. Is that right? Uh, so that's a different study. All oh, right, uh, and that's uh, that's that's one theory to explain the evidence that they're seeing in that study. 
so the the temperature thing being related to the sex of the the, mm. the person being born yeah I, that doesn't really apply to humans uh, yeah. it it interestingly it does apply to the, to reptiles like turtles uh temperatures d- determine sex in in reptiles when they hatch but not so much humans so i mean the interesting thing about what you mentioned about um, civilization possibly being found in South America 50,000 years ago. I mean, is the prevailing mm-hmm. theory still that South American population was, was like 12,000 years ago when the ice corridor was? So they came across from Siberia and then moved the way south. So that was the theory for a long time. Uh, and so Monteverde in Chile, that really threw a spanner in the works there because there's really well accepted dates there from 14,500 years ago or so. Uh, and obviously you wouldn't expect people to arrive in Chile before they went were in North America. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ice free corridor wasn't open at that time. So basically the ice free corridor is a, has been mostly abandoned, but uh, in favor of a coastal migration. So they came along the coasts uh, either in boats or, or walking when it was, uh, when the sea levels were lower. Do we know why they moved? Because in my experience, humans tend not to move unless they have to. Well, there, there could be any any reason for them moving. Obviously, there was something that made uh, modern humans leave Africa about 120,000 years ago. Uh, they dispersed pretty rapidly throughout Asia, uh, and they reached Australia by 65,000. Uh, so, I mean... There's plenty of people, plenty of reasons for people to move. Uh, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. I suppose <laughs> the the human spirit is really into uh, exploration. To like boldly it's, it's, go where yeah, no man yeah, has gone yeah. before. It's part exactly. of the, it's the hero's journey. Yeah, it's the yep. monomyth. Yeah, it's an archetype, isn't it? Maybe mm. sharing our DNA. Yeah, and and some scientists think that there's been. Uh, interactions between populations back and forth like people think of it as like a braided stream moving across the landscape where some people think of it more like a series of pools that like uh the 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 outer edges of the pools move back and forth uh yeah it's hard to explain but basically different groups interact back and forth there's there's cultural uh, and technological uh, and, and gene flow actually back and forth between cultures. Yeah. So the uh, the earliest uh, lithic technology in America in the Americas is very similar to stuff they find in Japan. Uh, it's fluted technology. Uh, no, that's the Clovis. Uh, so it would be. Uh, stemmed, yeah, stemmed technology. So it's basically like if you picture an arrowhead with a stem on it, that's what they were, as opposed to the big uh, spearheads of the Clovis people. They're very different technologies. And and those have been dated to about 14,000 now in the in the northern uh, North America. So, yeah. I'm uh, it, keeping my eye on these LIDAR surveys that keep, Popping stuff up in South America. They're interesting. Yeah. I'll just stop this screen share. Yeah. 
yeah, they're uh, using these drones with uh, LiDAR and penetrating the... We've got a mark within a mark. Oh, my gosh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I'll do that. that. There we go. Yeah, these uh, they keep finding these like long roads connecting villages and towns together. Massive, That's crazy, isn't massive it? civilizations that have just been eaten up. You know, the land's reclaimed it all. Mm. Yeah, it's just so much missing, and that's where Hancock is right. We are a species with amnesia. We only have half a story, if that. Yeah, yeah. It's generally Eurocentric. Yeah, you know, because of the nature of the way things have evolved and empire and there's a million different reasons and mm. the age of exploration and whatnot. So, yeah, the more we light we can shed on this stuff, the better, I think. Great. Yeah. Um, and what, mm. one thing that Graham's definitely right on is that sea levels were 150 uh, feet lower than they are today and most of mm. the archaeological evidence from that time is now underwater, so... And we're we're basically dealing with fragmentary evidence of of settlements that were higher, uh, like away from the coastline. That's basically all we have to go on from those times. So, yes, the archaeological uh, paradigm is very incomplete in terms of knowing what people were up to back then. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Um, anything you want else you want to say about the Cosmic Summit before we wrap up? We've done over an hour already. Wow, time flies. Yeah. Um, Other than buy some tickets, obviously. Links in the show yeah. notes. Yeah, so there's still live in-person tickets available. Uh, I think they have 500 USD, which is out of a lot of people's range. But uh, if you can catch the live stream for 49 USD. And I'm not sure if uh, that's still going on, but uh, buying a live stream ticket will get you access to uh, a Discord channel where uh, we can talk to uh, people, uh, speakers at the summit and talk to each other. And I I think the plan is still to do exclusive interviews with... uh, people in the in the old old history space uh and and maybe even like have chats so for example if you're if you buy a live stream ticket and you go in the discord you might have the chance to to talk with randall even so cool yeah Mm. randall shame i'm not allowed a discord anymore no Mm. (laughs) get a dummy email address and sign up for discord again well Mark, this has been fantastic. Um, we should let you go and uh, get, go back to bed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, it's just just about to go 6 a.m. here. So oh. Uh... oh, well, stay up. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we shall wrap up this part of the show. Yeah. Um, thanks again for joining us, Mark. Um, links are in the thanks show notes. Thanks for having notes. me, guys. No problem. No problem. Um, stay talk. on the line for us for one minute while we play ourselves yep. out. And uh, the rest of you in YouTube land who are watching live, we'll be back in 10, 15 minutes for part two. Do some news, okay? Yeah. Right, sayonara. Bye. Bye. See ya. Right then, we're back. The dwarf, the cripple, and the... Giant fucking lenses. <laughs> <laughs> that was our chat with Mark Young. Soon to be Dr. Mark Young from the uh, Comet Research Group. That was Dr. good. Mark. Yeah, it was, was good. It was good. It was nice to talk Shellules. It was Shellules. Yeah. Shellules. 
Yeah, I look forward to the Comets Cosmic Summit in two weeks. Mm. Not not next weekend, weekend after. Yeah. It is. You can get uh, online streaming tickets for 40 quid. Mm-hmm. You might even get in a private Discord with Randolph. Mm. Randolph Carlson. Mm. Get your ass to Schwellules. <laughs> I bet there's a lot of that. I bet there's a lot of didgeridooing going on. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, so links in the show notes. Click on the uh, affiliate link and then at least Mark gets a little slice. Gets a hey, slice we don't, don't, want him, don't want him kicking off because he's not getting his attrib- attributed, mm. you know. Three dollars. Three dollars a ticket or whatever it is, like some people would. Wow. I know. Mention any names. Yeah. Hey, yeah, do you like my T-shirt? I forgot I even had this. I should have. I would have worn it on Rise Above for a laugh if I'd remembered. Yeah, it's my Gordon the Gopher t-shirt. Yeah. He remembers. He does. He remembers. Oh, yes, I remember getting fisted by that fucking nonce. <sighs> oh, shit. Just went there. Calm down, Gordon. Mm. Get back in your hole. Mm. Right, let's move on. Let's do some... Uh... Headlines. A rich crop of headlines for you this week. Capital letters are the big news story. Headlines of the oh. week. Yeah. We're, f- we're faded out to put the uh, the headlines over the top of us. Uh, yeah, I, f- I fanned it around with the camera before Rise Above, and for some reason I've clicked a button that yeah, makes it... Uh, autofocus, isn't it? Yeah, but I can't see the screen, and it's screwed to the wall. Um, Never mind. Mirror? Mystery, as 1937 painting shows time travel Native American using iPhone. Did he have it in a handbag? <laughs> a man bag. Conspiracy theorists believing a painting from nearly 100 years ago showing a Native American man holding a mobile phone proves time travel exists. What's the conspiracy? Oh, this article, it it uses the term (laughs) conspiracy theory, conspiracy theorists several times. Oh. Yeah, it's just a label, you know. The work titled Mr. Pynchon and the Setting of Springfield was completed by Italian artist Umberto Romano in 1937 and depicts the arrival of settlers to the town in the 1620s. Have I got a photo? That's what you want to know. Have you got a photo? There you go. I thought that was a giant... uh, Giant fucking lenses! I thought it was a giant scrotum there (laughs) in the bottom left, but it's attached to a a Native American's back, thank God. No, we're talking about the man in the... Oh, thank God, he's just butt cheeks. Yeah. The man in the bathtub to the bottom right. He's 100%, oh, yeah. 100% on his iPhone. <laughs> he's in, definitely on his iPhone. Wearing a, la- a loincloth. It looks like a 3GS. No, it's a 4S. It's got a flat side. It's a 4S. So he's <laughs> it's come from the year 2016, maybe. I think so, yeah. You can yeah. tell by the by the beard. He has. <laughs> um, he's using his black mirror, isn't he? He is. So what's the other guy doing? You what? <laughs> <laughs> he looks like um is he a slave? He's tied up, he's got his hands tied down. Oh yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, there's a guy in stocks there, top right. Yeah. I'm not actually looked at the uh, the Maybe picture. Maybe the guy's on eBay, like putting his listings up. Hey, look, we've got uh we got David Stig Hansen in the chat. Yeah, he's lighting it up in there, isn't he? Oh, Stig. Mm. Sorry, let me just... Uh... Is he not in a Zoom call? Oh, yeah. I'm gone. 
Yeah, we got him here. Let's get him up how on the screen. Get, how do you get in the waiting room? <laughs> Fuck Graham Hancock. Okay, oh, I stick. Hi, Stig. Hi. Uh, a local is seen holding up a small black rectangular object similar to the shape of an iPhone and looking directly at it, almost as if he was snapping a selfie. He is. Look at me in the bath. <laughs> there we are. There's a close-up. Uh, the peculiar object has left viewers baffled with many drawing the conclusion that it could be a sign of time travel, as iPhones mm. were not invented until 2007. No, they weren't. However, in an article on Motherboard, Brian Anderson concluded the device is most likely a mirror. A mirror? Mm. Mr. Anderson wrote, there's, a, there's reason to believe, then, that what the man is examining is not an indigenous object, but rather of European origin, like mirrors, which were presented often in such exchanges. So when's this painting supposed to be from again? 16... Oh, it depicts 1937. Ah, oh, right, I thought so. I thought it was that kind of... Depicting the settling yeah. thereof. Mm. Yeah. Not having it. No. Not having it. It's not time traveller. All right. Okay. Are you sure? Okay. We'll move <laughs> on then. Horror at the seaside. I was left screaming in agony after hot tarmac used to fill a seaside pothole, melted the skin on my bare feet. So awful. A teacher needed hospital treatment for scalded feet after treading in hot tarmac used to fill a seaside pothole. Oof. Sally Hamilton, 57, walked barefoot onto the beach promenade to bush, brush off her sandy feet, but she was left in agony when she stepped across the tarmac which workers had left without a fence around it. Oh. <gasps> Combo. There she Combo is. There she's screaming. Ah. She's 57. <laughs> oh! 57, yeah. Looks good for 57. Yeah? Is that not a typo? Um... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, 57, yes. Mm-hmm. Sally Hamilton. Uh, she screamed, jumped off, and tried to tried walking on the side of her feet to go meet <laughs> a friend, but she was taken to... And then I burnt the side of my feet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Um, uh. Yes, yes, yes. But she was taken to hospital when they realised the hot tar had melted skin and become embedded in her oh, souls. Gross. In her soul? In her <laughs> very soul. <laughs> wow. Unbesmegging leaveable. Uh, she spent nearly... Uh, oh, the freshly filled pothole was subsequently fenced off. <laughs> oh. But Sally's footprints remain in it Look. in Bournemouth. Can you see the footprints in the yeah, tarmac? this is her skin. I mean... Shit. Are you not a bit daft walking over that? Well, you wouldn't know, well, would there, you? Then. You wouldn't know. You wouldn't know it had just been laid. No, no. Unless it was like steaming, you wouldn't know. Steaming tarmac. Yeah. Well, you know, had some sort of fence around it. Yeah, or a yeah. fence, a velvet um, rope. Emma in the chat is is uh, suggesting we send some focus chi to her. It's un unsli- We can't send unsolicited focus yeah, chi. We've to, spoken about this, haven't we? Oh, Phil's going to have to move back through the... Uh... Uh, yeah, she spent two hours with her feet in cold water before medics covered them in bandages. Sally had been walking her dog when the incident happened on Friday. She said, I took two or three steps and suddenly everything felt like it was in slow motion. 
I couldn't get off the tarmac fast enough. <laughs> it was early in the day before the sun was hot enough to be blamed for the heat of the tarmac. I was late and my feet were still hot. Sally's considering a compensation claim. I mean, yeah. I imagine the ambulance chasers would have been... Yeah. Honestly, she she deserves it. All over her. Yeah, I'd, I'd be on the You'd claim. be all over him. I'd be all over the claim. <laughs> yes. Um, Freshly laid, you say? Yeah. <laughs> Sally's considering a compensation claim. She said, I've had to cancel everything to sit around. Bournemouth, Christchurch and Poole Council said, We're sorry to hear of Miss Hamilton's situation. We've been in contact with her and are looking into the details. Oh, that's a proper council voice. Mm. <coughs> yeah. <sighs> Gross. Yeah. So, get well uh, soon. Get well soon, Sally. Let's move on. Enraged husband smashes beauty pageant winner's crown after wife comes second. At last, I made it into headlines of the week. <laughs> Would you like to see the video of this assailment? Yes. Mm. <laughs> oh, God. So this is the uh, crowning ceremony. We have the uh, master of ceremonies there. About to doff the crown. I think the lady on the left is the winner who's just, she looks delighted, doesn't she? And uh, she's obviously just been, and it's just been announced, and now the crown shall be lowered. Are we going to, is someone going to oh, swoop see. into the scene now? <laughs> oh. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, he's not happy. This little lad runs in. <laughs> A small boy child. <laughs> and grabs the tiara and smashes it on the floor and grabs his wife and, and trundles off, but he's not he's not done yet. Oh fuck, where's this going? not a happy chappy no it's very animated isn't it yeah a husband stormed the stage of a beauty pageant in brazil hijacked the winner's crown and furiously slammed it to the ground after his wife had was awarded the second place honors local news outlet globo reported shocked audience members at the miss gay mato grosso 2023 pageant shrieked Saturday, as the partner of the first runner-up contestant, Natalie Becker, who was representing the city of Cueba, nice. violently interrupted the crowning ceremony of winner Emanuele Bellini, who was representing the municipality of Vazea Grande. Just yeah. as the twinkling tiara was about to be placed on top of Bellini's head, Becker's hot-headed hubby yanked it away and hurled it to the stage floor her eye-popping footage, which we have now just just revealed, uh, of the fracas now going viral via jam press. Miss Cueva's rhinestone-snatching spouse, who remains publicly unidentified, then picked up the crown and heaved it to the ground again, breaking the prize to pieces. Smashing wow. it to pieces. He smashed it to pieces. Mm. Is there any need? No. No, there's no need at all. There's no disgrace in coming second, is there? No. Absolutely not. No. Okay, next one. 
Mum baffled as postman smirks, handing over parcel, then winces, reading the label. Uh-huh. A woman can no longer look her postman in the eyes after her Amazon order arrived at her door without the discreet packaging it was originally promised in. I don't think I've ever seen my postman's eyes. You know, you never have to sign for it. Yeah, but you don't look him in the face, do you? you just <laughs> I just look at I look at Filthy peasants. Leave the parcel and back away. <laughs> don't look me in the eyes. I love people. Talk to my people. <laughs> Chloe Lithgow was confused after she received an alert on her phone that her expected delivery was arriving, only for the driver to smirk to himself as he walked up the path. And uh, he, the driver had to scan this label before he handed it over. And the label reads, Satisfier, clit sucker, next generation. Next generation? Oh, no, I've been stuck with and the old generation. And talking and talking <laughs> and talking and talking without any gaps. What are you on about? Next generation. Just kept talking in one long, incredibly unbroken sentence, moving from topic to topic so that no one had a chance to interrupt. It was really quite hypnotic. <laughs> Housekeeping. Okay, let's move on. Oh. Housekeeping. This is a value for value podcast. If you find this podcast valuable, please consider retaining some value. There's a myriad of ways of doing this. My favourite way of returning value, as ever, is word of mouth. Letting people know about this podcast via your social networks, whether that be um, your online communities, your Discord servers, your uh, Telegram channels, your Facebook groups, or physically, physically smashing people in the face with DVDs or tying USB sticks to your fingers and gouging people's eyes out. Gouger's eyes! <laughs> yes, my favourite way this week is uh when you subscribe to the youtube channel leave a comment like hit the bell what else can you do on youtube yeah like si- at least 60 or 70 percent of you watching aren't even subscribed and that is an outrageous statistic smash the like button and sub join us ring the bell and leave us a review we don't get enough reviews no. And if you leave us a review and we manage to pick it up, we'll read it out for you. Um, give us a five-star rating on, on Spotify. It's good for the algo. Mm-hmm. Um, you could buy some merch. From the Amish loot chest. Link in the show notes for that. If you want to buy a Bacon Nuts t-shirt, there it is, look. Yeah. Or maybe a Bacon Nuts mug. These prices are not up to date. No. But you <laughs> can get a 10% off discount code by signing up for the Rumspringer newsletter yep link in the show notes for the newsletter sign up for that and you'll get uh, the beginning of the month you get a preview of all the guests coming up for that month 10% discount for the merch store uh, memes jokes uh, the occasional article book review for example mine didn't come through this month oh, I don't know it must be in your spam um, again. Helen has said in the in the element service she got hers. She did, didn't yes. she? So sorry, your end. <laughs> you know. Although to be fair, 
you know, I am at the limit of my ability with this, with this technology. What do you mean? Think, think. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking for something, and I don't know. Oh yeah. I only learned to use this equipment recently, <laughs> and I'm hoping my skills are up to the job. Um, you know, I'm, I'm suggesting the the fault is on your end. Yes, might be. Did Double anybody else? Did anybody else it. get the newsletter? Did you get it, Ben? It goes to my spam automatic. <laughs> <laughs> Did anybody else in the chat get the newsletter? Other than Helen? Helen got it. Did, well, yeah, if but, Helen got it and I got it because I sent myself one. As yeah, but a you, test. you might have sent it to yourself separately. It came into my spam. Did it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's in your spam. Don't sweat it. Shit, your spam. Uh, so yeah, merch store, newsletter we've done, birthdays. Birthday shout outs. Hey, you know, it's a previous guest birthday today. It's Ryan, it? Ryan Seven's birthday. Is it? Yeah, it's Seven. our most, has he been, had the most guest appearances? He I would have thought so, yeah. Is it a big birthday, Ryan? Oh, I don't think, I think he's, is he not a year or two older than us, Ryan? Is he? I think so, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it could be the big 4 couldn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, uh, happy birthday, Ryan! Happy birthday, you giant mistake! <laughs> yeah. What else can you do to uh, return some value? Become a producer. Join the Element server. So we've had a few more people turning up this week, haven't we? Joining in the fun on there. Uh, that's where you can put in your birthday shout-out request. You could request some focus chi. Um, you, if you are. Cheat is depleted. If you have a, something big coming up, have a small illness, a driving test, or you ran something over, um, just request some chi from us and we will replenish your stocks. Um, send us news articles, videos, audio links. If they're long, time stamp them. Um, tell us what you're reading. Tell us what you're reading. Oh, just yeah, there's book. a book group. There's, there is uh, a book club. On the, on the element where we, we uh, share what stuff we're consuming, what books we're reading, and uh, some downloads. I was looking for The Shining Ones by mm. Christian and Barbara Joy O'Brien, and uh, the only copy on eBay is 240 quid. Right. And uh, a link appeared with a PDF for the entire 600-and-something page book. 600 pages. Well, it is like uh, like an overarching thesis of the origins of humanity. So it's big. It's a big book. How are you going to print that out? <laughs> <laughs> In preparation for the the next um, glacial maximum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Next Le Champ event. Yeah. So yeah, there's uh, there's resources in the Element server as well as just the community. No. And uh, you can always email us at the Arms Inquisition at gmail dot com yep. mm-hmm. if you don't fancy Element. You want to keep us in the loop with you, the stuff. You can also uh, post show artwork. Yeah, uh, we're on a real dry patch for show artwork. Right. Yes, yeah, like, like the Gobi Desert. Yeah, like last year we got dozens and dozens of submissions. But yeah, either via email <coughs> or via Element or whatever, you can submit some show artwork for the podcast and we will mm. use it. And uh, here's the show artwork that I knocked up based on the YouTube thumbnail for this week. It's just a bit like a Jedi. I was thinking there, he cuts a, Mark cuts a messianic figure. <laughs> he does. He? he is um, messiahing the next uh, <laughs> impact. impact. Oof. Yeah. Nothing? Yeah, I'll have that, yeah. Yeah, okay, fine. So yeah, we, we want show artwork. Please send it us. 
Yeah. And we will use it. Um, if you join the Element server, you'll find out who's coming on a week in advance on the podcast. Or if you sign up to the newsletter, you'll get the full month at the beginning yeah. of the month of the month. The next month's guess. And then you can prepare some artwork or send us some generic Amish artwork. That's all fine. All of it is fine. Every everything. Little bit. Most things are fine. Is everything fine? Most things. Most are things. Fine. Yeah, some things are not fine. Know your limits. Exactly. Um, I think that's it, isn't it? Except, uh, ping. Tosses a coin. Toss a coin to your Do it for the lads. 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 So, you know, we, uh, they know what they're doing, Lair. Kind of know what we're doing. Uh, if you go to uh, thearmistinquisition.com or uh, you're in the Elements survey, you'll find a, a PayPal button there. And you can give us a one-off donation, sign up for a monthly recurring sustaining donation. And uh, we need your help to save Plotland and keep this shit show going and uh, keep the lights on. Mm. Fortunately, we don't need the heater on anymore. No. no. It's been like 30 mm. degrees. We could here. do with the air conditioning being on now. It's called a door. You <laughs> open it. Yeah, but then I can smell the toilet fluid. <laughs> the sweet, sweet scent of toilet. Oh. Mm. And, and the faint smell of urine. So precious. God, there's a lot of fucking around with that gimp. I am going to aim for the prostate in the men. Right. Okay. Okay. Is it time? Shall we thank the producers for big episode? The man Dems, yo. Yes. It's time to big up the man Dems, yo. Right, let's thank the producers for episode 283. We have... Alaya, Matthew Chin... Emma Bridges, Helen, and Sam. Thank you. They are. Yeah. So amazing in their... Oh, Willie G. And literally... The best mate. Chungus never seems so sus. The dwarfs, the currents, the great, the doctor of ergonomics, the homophobe, the wind, the giant fucking lenses, the chest feeding, communist, the base sigma chat, the baby penis, inner asshole, these clockwork clowns, the dime bar, the number 11, the big gun on the bus, the blind man, the big chungus, the cripple, and the mother of money bickering from hell. <laughs> Are you retarded? I don't get it, never will. So sus, so sus. He vents to electrical. Thanks for your support for another week. Keep it coming. Mm. Lots of stuff sent to us. Uh, it's good. It's a good problem having too much stuff it to is. go it through is. and being able to pick. Mm. Um, there was Schofield interviewers this week. Oh. <laughs> I feel like that Schofield guy. Okay. And um, I apologise if you were expecting a Prince Andrew-esque blow-by-blow 20-plus oh, yeah. clip deconstruction. Uh, I haven't had time. Oh. I've had really been a busy... It's been Patreon a, donators only. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a busy old week. I even had to work yesterday. What? Yeah, on a Saturday. Oh, oh, but you're... gross. Ah. Not yes. like you. No. You mainly only work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Oh, that'd be nice. So, um, yeah, I uh, I watched it. 
the full thing. Most of the news has just been putting out these 10-minute clips of mm. the interview. It's, it's three quarters of an hour long. Oh, right, okay. And uh, I watched it on Friday night, took notes, and I had about 17 or 18 timestamps mm. for things that were weird, interesting, things were places where he contradicted himself. This, that, and the other, and the staging, commentary on the staging and stuff, and uh, I didn't have time to, uh, or or the will <laughs> to go through it. So it would have been nice if, uh, you know, I didn't have a full-time job and kids and everything else. I could have done it, but a blow-by-blow Andrew-esque, because that was peak podcasting, I think, when we deconstructed the <coughs> Prince Andrew interview. Well, yeah. yes. It was hilarious. Back in episode, whatever it was, 100 and something. One, something. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I left it. There'll I be other it. scandals. Oh, yeah, and I don't think this one's finished yet. Oh. Do you not think Do you not think there's more to come from the Schofield saga? <laughs> I find it a bit strange that he's <coughs> done interviews at all. Did you see, oh, my God, that PR stunt with his mum today? No. Photographs of him with his arm around his mum. Philip Schofield gives the terrible, dis- uh, um, <laughs> devastating news to his mother about his dis- this morning career. So the softening the like stance then. Wait, the did headlines. he only tell it like three weeks after it had been on the news every single fucking day? Yeah, it's a PR stunt. What's the point? <laughs> Is she not like a million years old as well? Eighty-seven. <laughs> mm. Yeah, Clarkson's come out in support of him today, hasn't he? And Kelly uh, Clarkson. Uh, Jeremy Carlson, oh. that faux man of the people, shill that he is. Oh, and uh, various other people. Piers Morgan, I think. Yeah, wow. I saw the if Piers, Piers Morgan's Morgan. on your side, there's definitely some up. Yeah, bit but, of a weird one. It'll be on GB News next week. <laughs> oh yeah, with Eamon Holmes. Yes, yeah, that'll be good. <laughs> together. Right? I, I might watch that. I might watch that. Celebrity if got death both match. <laughs> <laughs> Because Eamon Hall's from the top rope. <laughs> the top turnbuckle. Splash. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, uh, yeah, I did pick up some bits on the story. So I've been uh, following Kim Woodburn <laughs> from How Clean Is Your Home. This should be a balanced... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> she's a fucking savage. She's just so base. She gives zero fucks. And she's sort of... Uh, she's laying off Phil, really. She's She's going after... His Willabooby. His uh <laughs> Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, she's going after Willoughby. I've got this clip. Oh, this yeah. is from GB News actually. But Kim Holly Willoughby is saying that she wants to come back and launch this new show next Monday. Should she I'll not be given the chance to does, do that? My love, that little bitch. I'll oh, bet Kim. she <laughs> does, darling. Kim, why would you why would you say that? What's Holly done wrong? What's Holly done wrong? In all the years she's been on that show, she's never taken part. All we hear is, oh Philip. (laughs) Oh Philip. Yes, but she wants to take charge now, Kim. She thinks this is her moment. She aged and abetted him to take a big salary. Get shut of that little impy, wimpy little woman. She will not be missed. Is that what she is that one that right the one who bent her feet on the uh, on the tarmac? <laughs> <laughs> Sally, fifty-seven from Bournemouth. Yeah, it could be. I mean, she's as old as the hills. Kim Woodburn. She doesn't look bad to be honest for like ninety or whatever she is. Okay. <laughs> is she not Philip Schofield's <laughs> mum? <laughs> I'm kind of obsessed with her delivery <laughs> in this point. 
uh, in this uh, interview. Does she oh, not be given the chance to does, do that? my love, that little bitch. I okay. bet she <laughs> does, darling. I mean, there's real venom there, isn't there? I know, yeah. Why? What's going on, on this morning between Did, Kim and her? Well, it's from a previous interview from when she was in the jungle, uh, in on Big Brother from like six years ago. Oh. And Schofield's like smirking at her and, and taking the piss out of her, basically. Right, okay. And obviously she was she didn't she didn't like that, right. and obviously she doesn't like Holly. Does she I'll not be given the chance to does, do that? My love, that little bitch. Uh, yeah, I got kind of um, I don't know something about that delivery. I, I found this guy on Twitter who obviously has the same inclinations <laughs> as, as me, who's obsessed with it. That little bitch. 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 He just made a video of it on loop. Loop forever. Yeah. Ah, such a wasted opportunity to make like a epic rap battle. Yeah. Maybe wait till the end of the show. Oh. Maybe we'll do some, maybe we'll we'll mash something up. Some like you think those rise above guys are the only guys who can mix in this shit uh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be right. We're gonna confirm that. <laughs> I don't know, I might be I might be working at the edge of my ability. I only learned to use this equipment recently, and I'm hoping my skills are up to the job. Yeah, so let's move on. Oh the Amazon. Did you see the Amazon protest in Seattle? No. They're kicking off because they've been asked to go back to the office. Amazon workers. Yeah, in right. Seattle, so they've gone on, gone on strike. Oh, so we want to work from home. We don't want to go back to your horrible office. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I've got a, a clip from the, the protest here. You know where they do the whole, like, some guy with a megaphone. It's like a call and repeat. Mm-hmm. What do we want? Home working. When do we want it? Now. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, classic. This is now or never. Sound the alarm. Sound the alarm. Oh, God. We are rising. Time to stand up to the flame. Fucking hell. Horrible, isn't it? We are rising. Time to stand up to the what? Oh, hang on, hang on. This is now or never. I'm not even clapping right. Just <laughs> watch this blonde girl's face in a minute. She's just not having it. This is now or never. She's not impressed, is she? No. She's not even singing along. Why? Where am I? What's going on with this guy here? He's gone full, full COVID. Uh, He's gone full Sub-Zero from Mortal Kombat. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's Dyson mask. <laughs> <laughs> we are rising. Time to stand up to the plane. <laughs> That's what I <laughs> That guy has been waiting a, a lifetime for his moment, hasn't he? Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, cringe. It always makes me think of this meme. Give me something for the cringe and let me die. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the most half-hearted. People protesting for the right to work from home. I would. I well, I'd be the guy on the. Uh, would you actually get lectern. up there? Would you actually get there and protest? Uh, no, because I'd be working from home. <laughs> 
That's and protest from home. Let's do the protesting for us. I protest from home. Somebody sound the alarm. Turn, turn. We are fighting. I thought they smelled bad <laughs> on the outside. Sound the alarm. Sound the alarm. Um, it might not smell good, kid, but it'll keep you alive. <laughs> okay, we're doing the whole film. <laughs> Sound the alarm. <laughs> uh, this is like hot news deconstruction. Did Commander Skywalker check in yet? I knew he was going to go into it because he started look, doing his looking around face. <laughs> well, maybe you should find out. Mm. That was quite good, that second. Was that right? Yeah. I am a, I am a f- trained actor, you know. Classically trained actor. No. General! Uh. <laughs> your taunton will freeze before you reach the first marker! Oh, we've lost him. And I'll see you in hell! <laughs> What do you reckon of the new indie film? Anyone seen it yet? Oh, it's not out yet, is it? It's not out in about four weeks, I think. No. It's going to be fucking shit. I want to see Oppenheimer in 70mm at the IMAX. Yeah, I want to see that. small. That big screen? 70mm screen? Yeah, but you sit really far away. Are you going to take me on a date then? Or are you going to go with your wife? Yeah. Oh, she'll probably want to go. Killian Murphy, you know, hasn't it? See it? if I can get my wife to go with me. We could go together. Is that we saying? Um, I mean, if you wanted to, but you'd have to see if we could match up babysitting facilities. Ah, yeah. Unless we get your daughter to watch my two. Mm. I, I'm joking, by the way. <laughs> so you've been to see it? No, I'd like to see it. Oh. Oppenheimer. Isn't it? Isn't it isn't July? Maybe July the fourth. I imagine that one, big one. I think there's only there's only three copies of, of the film in seventy millimeter. One's going to Manchester, and the other two are going somewhere else. Oh, it's like the real film rather than like digital. Yeah, mean? it's yeah, it's in. I know he shoot. He always shoots on film, apparently, rather than a digital. Oh, it's Nolan, isn't it? Yeah. Um. By yeah, so I assumed it would be, then it would be digitized. I don't know, it might be. But it's in Manchester, it's not not anywhere else. I thought it was in Manchester. Well, you can watch the fucking view. Your your standard 24mm or whatever it is. There's an IMAX at Bolton, isn't there? Is there? Mm. Bolton's almost as easy to get to as Manchester. No. We have to go go into the heart of darkness Uh, to go to Manchester, don't you? To get through the M61. Onto the M60. The heart of darkness. Circle. That's the book that uh, Apocalypse Now is based on. Correct, yeah. yeah. Jason, so, uh, oh, what's his name? Conrad. Conrad, Conrad yeah. Hmm. Not Jason Conrad. Not think. Jason Conrad, no. Uh, Captain Conrad. Uh, <laughs> on, the, on the Heart of Darkness. Uh, I can't remember his name. First name, Conrad. I don't know. Uh, Indiana Bones yeah. and the Lost Zimmer Frame. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's too late. The last film was um There was a who about that, wasn't there? It had been 68 when he did the last one, and now he's 80. He was older than Sean Connery was during The yeah. Last Crusade when he did the last film. 
Yeah. You know, he's not the hunky uh, 30, mid-30s guy he was in Temple of Doom when he was an absolute dreamboat, you know. Mm. Mm. Template of Doom. So they dragged uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge into it. Mm. Has, has she co-written it as well? I believe so. She'll be, if it's a, a project of Kathleen. Oh, yeah, the forces female, Kathleen, Kathleen Kennedy. Kennedy. Mm. Yeah, how to bin the golden <laughs> the golden cow. The golden goose. Yeah, how to destroy the, the goose that, in uh, in si- three simple steps. Yeah. You know. Destroy the legacy characters. Oh, man. It's, um, it's like, how many, ta- how many times could they have fired her? You think the solo film would have been the final straw? They would have got rid of her after that. I was just reading, actually. Um, how can a Star Wars film lose money? Starting sacking... Um, they sacked a load of people that made the Buzz Lightyear film. Oh, I yes, read. they did, because it only made £26 million. Dollars. Well, no, so the budget for making the film was £200 million, and it got back 220 whatever, like you yeah, said. Oh, so it's lost hundreds of million. Yeah, because they've got marketing. to pay for marketing, haven't you? Oh, That's not right, included okay. in the film's budget. Well, yeah, it? and the, the cinemas take a cut. Yeah. Like, the cinemas aren't free enterprise. They take, like, how much of the revenue will the cinemas take? Not uh, a lot. So that's not no, turnover. it might be it might be ten, fifteen percent, something mm. like that. Mm-hmm. So the t- yeah. they give the turnover rates. Yeah. Well, it's it's just sales. Oh, okay. It's just sales. It took right. so much at the box office, so they sold this amount in tickets. Uh, so your marketing budget has to come out, and whatever you pay the uh, distributors. Oh yeah, get them on the doll. So there was like thing he came out, James Cameron, and said that you'd have to, for the latest Avatar, would have to make two billion to break even. <laughs> what it cost to make. Uh, well, he's, he's filmed like a billion films, apparently, shot sequences from other films, but uh, hundreds of millions. But it's all the research because he, he did motion capture underwater for it. That's right. For no reason. <laughs> Have you seen it? No, because it's, it's just the first one was trash. So I thought the second one was all right. Did you watch it? Avatar? Yeah, the second yeah. Avatar. No, the first one. Sorry. Oh, right. Did I not say the first one? I thought you said the second one was all right. Oh, Right. No, I've not seen it. Okay. I think it was more that, that that was hyped, wasn't it? Because it was this first, iter- no, well, probably the second iteration of 3D films. And it had been like, you know, you put it's not uh, the red and green lenses anymore. They were like these weird lenses. Giant fucking lenses. Giant fucking lenses. And it was, I was very, I went to go and see it in 3D and I was very underwhelmed by the whole thing. Right. It was one. Well, no, the first one. I've not seen the second one. Oh, the first one. Did you go and see it in 3D? Yep. You seen no, the second one? in the first one. Right, okay. Yeah. I'm not going to go and watch Indiana Jones. I don't see the point. No, it'll be on uh, Disney Plus soon. Yeah. Oh, we've got that free, apparently, as you were saying last night. Right. Got it free for six months. I don't know why. I mean, they can't, well, they struggle to give it away, don't they? <laughs> There's not really much on it now. Excuse me? I wouldn't imagine. Um... We watched something that was okay on it called The Small Light, um, which is about, it has been, um, it's about, uh, God, what's her name? Anne Frank. Oh, uplifting. Yeah, so, you know, um, unfortunately, like, it has a, if you know anything about Anne Frank, there is a bit of a spoiler coming. Um, But she, uh, it's kind of been, I don't really know this. I know the story of Anne Frank, but I don't know how she was kind of kept safe or whatever, um, or who was doing it. Um, but it's kind of been 
turned into this story around this person called Meep, um, who did all the work to keep her safe, essentially. Which I've never a, read which, it. Which is a woman. I've never read the diary. Um, no, you have away. What's that new Shane Meadows thing on the BBC? Don't know. Oh, what's it called? Something about the clip coins. Um, shit. Coin clippers. Coin clippers. Yeah, it's like a period drama, but Shane mm. Meadows, you know. From What's coin clipping? England. You clip a bit off a coin, mm-hmm. unnoticeable, so it goes around the general circulation, but you use all the clippings to create forged other coins. Oh, right. And it, apparently they did it in the old days, whatever. Right, okay. I can't remember what it's called now, but it's Shane Meadows. So. The Romans did coin clipping to devalue currency. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Inflation. Like the only place inflation comes from is governments. That's just a fact of life. So it makes you laugh when governments say we're going to get a hold of inflation. Mm. Like, well, you caused it, you knobs. If you stop printing money, it'd be a good place to start. Mm. What what channel is that on? <laughs> yeah, the History Channel, I guess. <laughs> Maybe. I'm reading a, a, a good book at the moment. It's a real page, page turner. It's called, I've got to say it wrong. Uh, is it Seeing Voices? No. Yes. Seeing Voices is called. No, it's Oliver Sacks' book. Oh. Because you uh, inspired me to go to my pack of Oliver Sacks' books. Your sack of Oliver Sacks' uh-huh. books. My pack of Oliver Sacks' books. So one of them is this, Seeing Voices. One of them is Awakenings. Right, that's the one I got, isn't it? Yeah, the other one is the man who mistook his wife for a hat, and I can't remember the other one again. <laughs> There's a fourth one. I can't remember what that one. Seeing faces. Is that what it's called? Seeing voices. Seeing voices. Seeing voices. So yeah, it's about sign language, basically, and deaf ah. people and language and how if you don't, basically, he 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 does a, he got into it randomly, um, but if you don't learn language, then you can't, the evidence suggests that you can't get your head around ab- abstract ideas. So they keep, well, the book was written in like the late 80s. And even at that point, they were coming across people who had been misdiagnosed as, in his <coughs> words, retarded, um, but they were actually deaf. So they had the capacity, normal intelligence or whatever to learn um, to sort of like a, a decent level. Um, but because people said they were autistic or retarded or whatever, they were just kind of left alone. So they had no language. Mm. Um, so the, it was weird. It, it kind of means that you don't get abstract ideas or like how <clears throat> a word can represent something, essentially. Mm. Everything's done um, visually. Literally. Yeah, basically. That makes sense. Language is fundamental, isn't it? Yeah. To everything. And then it, it was quite interesting because it, it talks a little bit about Noam Chomsky's innate grammar. We're all familiar with that, aren't we, on the podcast? Because mm. um, I don't want to explain it. Um, but that it made so Noam Chomsky basically has this theory about we all were all born with this innate grammar, and it's brought out in us in childhood when parents start talking to us or whatever. Um, but it made me think of um, the archetypes, essentially, right. And the genetic, you know, he's kind of that being in our DNA. Was did Chomsky come up with this idea 
before he got his advice from Jeffrey Epstein. Right? <laughs> um, it was in 1968, I think. Oh, after then, right. Yeah. Yeah, they were, they were pally. Right, okay. Yeah, so giving financial advice. He's on the logs and everything. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Yeah, oh dear. Was he on the Bumbo Express? Whatever it was. Yeah, what's it called? Lolita Express. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but he, he, I think he got a Nobel Prize for that. You know, the innate grammar. Yeah, he's uh, he's one of those old guys who needs to fuck off and die, really, isn't he? He's ninety four. Yeah, taking up room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's an interesting book. But a lot, all of Oliver Sacks' books are very interesting. Mm. Yeah, I've only read the one. Mm. This one's only short as well, but it's a it's a fiddly one. Because each page has got like four notes in it, and you have to go back to the back of the book to read the notes. Oh all the my time. gosh! I like it when they put them at the bottom. Footnotes. Yeah, the I like, notes I like the, the notes back. at the bottom. So I've got at the moment an operating a two finger approach to reading the book. Normally it's a thumb in the middle. Yeah. But what I'm having to do is hold the, with the thumb in the middle, and then I've got my index finger from my right hand, um, probing the back of the book. This uh, is gold. For the notes. No, uh, five minutes walk from your house, there is a charity bookshop yeah. that sells bookmarks for 20 pence. Yeah, but... I've... High quality bookmarks, like, like this, this, this one. This dun, giant dun, dun, book. Dun, dun. Look at this, I've got a Stonehenge bookmark. Fuck. An antique That's Stonehenge leather. bookmark. So, leather. It's nice, though. Or is it pleather? Leatherette. Yeah. I think it's leather. And as a bonus, look. It's a compass on it, so I'll always be able to find north. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So are these bookmarks that they find in the books that get donated? Presumably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Uh, it's interesting getting second-hand books. You, you find highlight pen, you find things underlined, you find notes mm. in margins. Shopping yeah. lists. Yeah. yeah. Business cards, all oh, sorts. Good. Oh, right, okay. Good. Yes. What are you reading, Ben? Um, Radio Times. I got two books. One is How to Read Water. We saw uh, that. I can't remember who the author is. Yeah, I posted that in the in the channel. Uh, and the other one is by the same author. And I can't remember what it is. So I'm not starting again. But I uh, I won on the People's Postcode Lottery. Did you? And I oh. could select a prize, and one of them was like two books. I didn't. I didn't want like a babylis. Uh, nose trimmer. <laughs> how, well, you couldn't do we one, but yeah. <laughs> uh, how do you read water then? I don't know. I've, I've not really got into it yet. Right. Okay. I'll let you know when I get there. Okay. It seems interesting. Good. Yeah. Right. I'm done. Yes. You got there's, anything else? There's some red things on this piece of paper. Oh, well, we saw Biden fall over, didn't we? Over a you see Joe Biden bike. fall over? No, I've not seen it. Have you not? No. I thought everyone had, so I didn't bother clipping it. It was all over everywhere. He, he was giving a presentation at the, uh, was it the Air Force Training Academy? Yeah, some graduation thing. Yeah, and he he, he just took a dive. Oh, I'm a one of clothes steam around a postcode, Larry. That's better than two books. A clothes steamer? We use one of them rather than an iron. Do you? Yeah. yeah. I say we. I don't use. 
No, evidently. Nothing needs ironing, does it? No. Come on. Your own sweat does that job. Yeah, well, it just drops, the creases drop out. Eventually. Eventually. I've not ironed my t-shirt. Who irons t-shirts? I've not ironed a t-shirt for a long time. Honestly. I bet there's people who who iron boxer shorts out there. No. (laughs) I bet there is. Sucks. I want a nice nice tight crease on my boxers. Mm. My Calvin Kleins. Mm. Now... Uh, yeah, he fell over, but um, Joe Biden. Um, but someone hacked his earpiece and produced this footage here, which I thought was worth sharing. Hi, Joe. Let's see if you can even get to the damn mark this time. Remember, like we practice, walk around, go up and say hi to the general, and then get behind the podium. Uh, it's yeah. ponderous, isn't it? But it's coming. You just have to wait for it. Yep, upstairs. Careful, careful. You know how you are with stairs. Oh, okay. Someone made a compilation of all his clips of falling up and down stairs, <laughs> which was great as well. <laughs> Generally, Air Force One. He's done a few of them up and down. He, he navigated those stairs okay, mm. though, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, so far, so good. That podium, yes. Walk forward, walk forward, say hi to the general, and stop. And stop. Where, where are you going? Not that general. Oh, my God. Joe, go back to the podium. Joe. Oh, my God. This is so awkward. These poor cadets. Joe, to the podium. Could you? Yeah, thank you. Direct him to the podium, please. Come on. There you go, old man. Get up there. No, the podium, you idiot. Where are you going? It's just that she was quite good looking, wasn't she? So he's obviously gone to chase her down. Sniff, he, and he, sniff he, he couldn't get a good nostril fill, could he? <laughs> uh-huh. In that quick, yeah. that quick passing, he, he obviously mm. caught a whiff and thought, "I need to go in for a deeper." And he's round the back, grab the shoulders, mm. like he does. Smell your scalp. Awkward. These poor cadets. Joe, to the podium. Could you? Yeah, thank you. Direct him to the podium, please. Come on. There you go, old man. Get up there. Mm. No, yeah, the- I better, better put my sunglasses down for this mm. one. I'm gonna need two hands. Mm. Mm-hmm. Podium, you idiot! God, Where are you God. going? Oh God! You know I hope something happens to you later. A few moments later. All right, go ahead and walk off the stage now, Joe. Oh, he's down! He's down! What happened? Did someone push you? Hey, what happened? Then? These little stairs. Where? Uh... There's nothing there, Joe. He's, he's lucky to be alive, to be honest. You know, oh, a broken yeah. hip at his age is often a death sentence. Blimey. How old is he? He's over 80, isn't he? You think he's not 80? 81? He 80. God, he's going, so he'll be 84, 85 by the time if he wins. <laughs> Fuck me. I think something might happen to him before the election. Put it that way. Oh, do you think he's going to be? <laughs> ah, they need to get rid of him, don't they? Come on. Two to the chest, one to the head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's got to go. It's got to go. It's too old. Process. To bring out the clone. He is the clone, is he not? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. You is don't know. Every, every time he falls over, they have to bring out a new clone. I think so. Oh, is, it, is it something to do with how many times they've opened his head up? <laughs> they've opened his head up like three times, haven't they? They must have scrambled something. That's why he falls over so much. <laughs> Probably. Oh, callback last week. Worms the video game, Ben. Oh, yes. Team names. 
Do you remember oh, any? Oh, God. Uh, Do you remember what the theme was? Oh, well, we were incorrect. Were we? Mm. She has can't remember anything. So one team that we got was Fab Four. Uh, the Beatles, yeah. John Paul, George and Ringo. No. We had Abba. Yeah. Bjorn, uh, Bernie, Agnetha, Anifrid. I, so for some reason, thought that Queen was one of the team <laughs> names in Worms. Right. But no, here's the definitive list. Ah, uh, oh. yes. So we've got the the player oh, the top dogs. The player control, uh player operated teams, one up, two up, three up, four up. We've got the Fab Four, we've got Royalty, Liz, Charles, Diana, and Philip. Mm. So there's only one of them left. Yeah. <coughs> All the God. old sausage fingers. And then we've got Top Dogs. That's Lassie, Scooby, Rebel, and Beethoven. What's Rebel the Dog? I don't know, maybe an American thing. But there it's an English game. Team seventeen. Don't know what Rebel is now, never heard of Rebel. I'd have had Nasher. Lassie's, Why didn't they have yeah. knife in utensils? Oh, was, where are we going? We're going down Sorry, third from, yeah, to the bottom. Third from bottom. Utensils, yeah. teaspoon, fork, wooden spoon, whisk. Mm. Yeah, why not knife? Mm. Who knows? Uh, I, I, it's got to be an English game because, look, under the dogs, take this, which is take that. Gary, uh, Mark, yeah. Howard and Jason. No Robbie. So this is obviously post Robbie Williams. Yeah. And then we've got cool cars. 911 Turbo SE made by... Porsche. Testarossa made by... Ferrari. Diablo made by... Lamborghini. Esprit. Lotus Esprit. Absolutely. And uh, the uh, Countach was my favourite. Oh, the Countach. Countach, <laughs> yeah. And then we've got All for One, Aramis, Porthos, D'Artagnan, Athos. We've got Waterloo. We've got Fab. I'd forgotten about the... Um... F-A-B. Yeah, it's, ah. it's got to be English. It's got to be an English game, hasn't it? it I don't is. think Thunderbirds was an American... Thing. And then Merry Men, Robin Hood, Little John made Marion Frey took. Mm. And uh, the Teddy's. So I just thought it was, uh, I yes. thought I'd clear that up. Thank you. Oof. Bit of fact checking from last week. I'm glad you had time to do that. I did it early, early doors. Uh, someone posted it in the element, didn't they? No, oh. I did. I posted <laughs> it in the element, didn't oh, I? You posted Thanks it in the me. element. <laughs> yeah, producer <laughs> of episode 283, Amish Phil. As always. Mm. So. It's uh, about time to go. Let's. Um, I've got a clip of AI predicting the future here. Excellent. You'll like this. Not a lot. Okay, how are you feeling right now? Oh, God. I'm getting the word <laughs> nonce. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> terrifying. That's terrifying. There was another video going round of some AI robot from this week. And uh, who was talking to it? Oh, it was Kay Burley from Sky News right. interviewing an AI robot. Oh, yeah. Did you see it? She yeah, was asking yeah. if it was if she was pl- if the AI was planning to wipe out humanity. Yes. It was weird. Uh, yeah, it was sort of, she was kind of evasive with her answer. She didn't rule it out. Um, no. Well, we are a disease. I mean, it's up in the air at the moment, but we'll be back to you in 2030. September 2030. Mm. I'm lost. What are you on about? Whether it's they're going the to end. decide to end the times for humans, AI. That's when it is. Mm. 2030. Yeah. September. September. AI's going to decide whether can we survive or not. Yeah. Yep. All right. Gosh. What <laughs> 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 film's that from? Him screaming all the time. <laughs> Sam <know>. Neill. <laughs> 
The first one's Event Horizon. I thought that oh, one was Event yeah. Horizon. The second one, this is from uh, a little-known indie film from not long... Um, that's probably 15 years ago now. I'm blanking on the name. <laughs> it's not the brain one, but the old... What's it? The... What's it called, that film? And it was a that guy... little bit. Pleasant... <laughs> Pleasantville? No. I keep thinking Scanners, but it's not Scanners. It's no. like what Peter Jackson directed it. Oh, Brain Lord Dead. Brain <laughs> Dead, was it? it was. Bad Taste. Something like that, yeah. Bad Taste is from like the mid-80s, I think. Is it? Or early 80s, yeah. No, it's not that. Okay. Because <laughs> he's a key... Is he a Kiwi, Peter Jackson? Yeah. Mm. Sam Neill is, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. New Zealand. I think so. But on. Right, any more... Answers on a postcard, eh? Yeah, yeah. post it you in know. the element. Join the element and then post it in there. Do it. Do it. Right. Shall we uh, bugger off into the night? Yeah. yeah. Work tomorrow. Yeah. Hope you're entertained. Are you not entertained? That little bitch. That little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Epic dub. So we'll be back next week, won't we? We're live we next are. week, aren't we? Yeah, man. Yeah. Join we'll the elements server and figure out who it is. Yeah, I can't even remember who it is. I can't. Be surprised for you. Is it Mark Young? I know, wait. <laughs> <laughs> It's that little bitch. Epic dog. <laughs> I'm gonna, I've got so many buttons. That little bitch. I don't know which one to click. No. I've got, um, what do they call it, where uh, you're paralysed by... An embarrassment of riches. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's a term. It's like choice paralysis. It's like when you're dealing with a kid, you don't say to your kid, mm. what do you want for tea? Because mm. they'll say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Say, do you want <laughs> ticky dinosaurs and chips or uh, beef bonyong? <laughs> Bonyong. <Bourguignon. laughs> <laughs> Micro spell. Oh, sausage surprise. You've got to give them two or three choices. Or freakadin. <laughs> Frikadellin? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get freaky. I'm up for that. Can I get an A, man? Or some, some micro shvelules. On toast. Yeah. yeah. Hold up. Wait a minute. Something right. Oh, Helen. Helen's letting us know it's Sheep Farm next. Oh. oh. Bring it on. Yes. Got Dom and Chris back next week. That'll be a good laugh. Right. Uh, good. Yes. Looking forward to that. I remember, I remember when I lost my mind. Oh. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Epic, Epic dub. dub. Epic. Right, let's sign off then. Yes. See you later. Bye. Fare ye well. Run, boy. Respect. Thank you for watching. Wag Wan Fan, you're going to Somerset. I can't have children with the wall. And these guys, I mean, they're having fun now, but my goodness, they've also got a dark side. A war-hardened goblin? Come on, man. That bloke's a nutter. I think you're hitting, hitting the point, Phil, that 
Hi. I got a fat white piece. It really bothers me. Fuck Graham and Akon. Because I, I believe I, I have an issue in this respect. I only learned to use this equipment recently, and I'm hoping my skills are up to the job. Wanna come to a club where people wear on each other? That little bitch. 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 Timing. Timing's a bit off, isn't it? That little bitch. What? That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. Gouge his eyes. Hello, Diane. That little bitch.